0: You're listening to Whoa! luck.
1: And hey, welcome to the Good Pop Culture Club for Thursday, September the 9th, 2021 My name is Marvin Yu and joining me to talk about all the good pop that gets us through our days We have, as always self-proclaimed professional Asian American Jess Jew. Hey Marvin,
2: of- still in Florida It like <laughs> rains every day I'm almost out Wish me Whoa.
1: luck, man. How has it been over there over the last like
2: it's few weeks? It's fine because it's like you know there is no war, bossing say there is no COVID pandemic in Florida because no one acts like there is. And also, <laughs> I would be doing the same thing if I was if there was a pandemic and there wasn't a pandemic, which was just stay inside and like work because you know you can't get anywhere here without a car, and you know my partner. Takes the car to go to work. Uh Yeah, so it's like this weird, like it's like kind of like being in the hyperbolic time chamber where it's both very effective, like very efficient, which you can be very productive, but also like you're kind of sad because there's nothing around you because it's I mean, Florida.
1: You're effectively in quarantine, which honestly is probably the best way to experience Florida right now.
2: Yeah, but the thing is, if there was no COVID pandemic, this is what I'd be doing anyway. So it's like this weird <laughs> thing where in LA you feel the innate sadness because there's all these things you can't Mm -hmm. do or should feel like you shouldn't be doing here there's no difference so in a weird way it's kind of freeing Mm -hmm. being stuck inside Mm
1: -hmm. well looking forward to having you back on the west coast best coast where uh we're approaching i guess fire season's coming soon because it's been like 100 degrees for the last few days
0: oh boy
1: it's gonna be great also joining us professional culture editor han win hey han
0: hey Hey. How's, how's
1: it going on the best coast
0: uh, even though it is a shortened week, guess what? Press tour is still going on. <laughs> so, press tour is forever. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I have Fox and CBS this week. Um, I think I have NBC and something else next week, and then the final week we will have Warner Media for three days. So
2: it's kind of the home stretch ish. Um, you will but, die, yeah. and we will roll your uh funeral <laughs> into a into a press tour. Oh Your my god! Be a press tour. I will. I will set it up. I will give you the dialogue.
0: I will set up a Zoom link. All of that type of stuff. Oh, it'll, it'll be great. <laughs> and then there needs to be a transcript.
1: <laughs> I mean, I guess it's good that the industry is back working at full strength. I guess.
0: Um. I. I guess there. Like literally every day we hear about people still coming to set with COVID and having to shut down production. Ugh. Uh cough uh miles teller (laughs) cough um and and of course as we know you know other things are shutting down delta variant so it's just a matter of time before we hear about more of these things i mean
1: I think there's like a lambda move area now, which means there's yeah, been like how many letters through. is that since since Delta? There's Delta yeah, Epsilon we don't eta to... theta iota kappa lambda move. I'm been like really eight I'm really delta. bad
2: at Greek letters. So I need <laughs> yeah. this disease to stop mutating. <laughs> we need to stop before
1: Omega, please. And then we go to double letters, alpha beta. No. That's alpha,
2: that's that's some that's some sorority ass rush yeah. talk shit. We mm-hmm. don't need that. Nope. Nope.
0: <laughs> So yeah, anyway. Oh, and like um, on top of all of that and Texas doing the whole abortions thing. And my oh. cousin is now in the hospital, not with any of those things, but because it's harder to, you know, be in a hospital in Houston, Texas right now. Um, she's fortunately getting like treatment for uh, something totally unrelated and uh, fingers across she'll be out soon, but still not a great environment you want to be in.
1: Not a great week for America, to be honest. <laughs>
2: When's the last time we had a good week, though, Marvin? Like, let's be
1: real. I mean, Biden's inauguration, but I guess that might be more of a phyric victory than anything.
2: Maybe like that brief moment where, like, Sunilu won the gold? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well,
1: you know what didn't get affected by COVID this weekend? Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings (laughs) obliterated the box office with pulling in, what was it, $94 million?
2: That's pretty good. I think the estimates are like a third of that.
1: <laughs> well, so... I mean Labor Day weekend is traditionally like a no man's land of films, right?
0: Yeah. yeah. They, it's it's in between the times like the summer tent poles, people are going to school, you know, or they're they're maybe they're finally taking some vacation. It's usually a deadish weekend that n- big tentpole-y type things are do not open. Not Marvel movies for certain.
1: Yeah, so I'm sure the industry pundits will be studying the film to determine what caused it. Is it the confluence of COVID and people not wanting to stay home? Is it the fact that people haven't been to the movies in a while? Or is it the fact that it's a Marvel film and Marvel films just open this way?
2: I can tell you the, um, the scientific answer is Tony Leung. Yes. like yes. I don't I don't have any evidence I don't do research but I know in my heart the answer is Tony Leung
0: yeah based on the evidence of your own eyes this is what you would say
1: your eyes and your loins
2: yes and Twitter and I will say it's a, we can talk about this some more it is wild to see like young white women thirsting over mm-hmm. Tony Leung on TikTok I'm like I've known we've known you know, Tony Long has been a whole snack for decades now. Mm-hmm. Should we tell them about Lust Caution? I mean, like, I'm are just that?
1: someone should check if the Criterion Collection has crashed over the weekend because everyone's going back to the Wong Kar Wai archives mm-hmm. right now.
2: I mean, he also just like fucks explicitly in Lust Caution. <laughs> yes, yes, um, yes like that was like an x-rated movie wasn't it like or oh, nc-17 yeah. movie
1: it was uh, definitely yeah. known for all, all all the fucking
2: oh yeah yeah so <laughs> good for you tony leo we're happy for you little tony little tony
1: <laughs> um in case you hadn't noticed Chi is the topic of our podcast for this week um, we'll be discussing the newest addition to the mcu after the break but before we get to Chi, let's find out what pop culture has been getting us through the week uh jess what's popping over there in florida
2: so i've been reading a lot and a book i recently bought was the season a social history of the debutante by kirsten richardson um it is a non-fiction book so if you're not into that sorry just like skip along but i love non-fiction like just learning and you know as someone who has been very on the record about her love of historical romance regency romance and victorian romance and the horny books which all are set around this idea of the season and coming out um i was like maybe i should learn a little bit more about it And it's fascinating. I mean, no surprise there. Everything's rooted in capitalism, patriarchy, and racism. Uh, But it is really interesting to ground kind of this fantasy of the debut and the debutante ball with the real reasons as to why they happened. And it really comes, long story short, it comes from they basically gutted the nunnery so there was nowhere to send your fucking daughters who you couldn't marry off or like you didn't want to marry off cuz that would cost money so they're like fuck we got to marry these bitches and that's how you know that's how that all came <laughs> to be and this whole elaborate like ritual and cultural like language is just always keep just just really fascinating it's a very well written i think it just brings a very grounded behind the scenes look at something that's very glamorous and i am as far from a debutante or someone who Would participate in debutante culture as close to humanly possible. So it is kind of like watching a dog walk on its hind legs, like (laughs) a little grotesque, fascinating, very entertaining, and being like, wow, like you think people really did this.
1: I remember when I was in college and I discovered that debutante balls still happened.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's so funny, because my college roommate, who I'm still very good friends with, shout out to Kelly, uh, she actually did a debutante ball, because her boyfriend at the time's family wanted him to participate, uh, and, like, so I kind of saw, like, a very adjacent experience, and I was like, what the fuck is happening? And she was like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. She was also, like, an Asian-American girl, like upper middle class but like suburban like, or like yeah. what the fuck is happening like what are all these stupid rules
1: I know it's popular with the Filipino community um, I guess the Mexican community has the quinceanera which is kind of similar it's,
2: it's a little different because that is more just like a sweet 16 coming, coming of, of age. age party this right. is very specifically a context of a social party in which there is like dance rit- like it, it's more about like the Th- being in the presence of other families in a, in a mm-hmm. specific organization I think there is uh, obviously like the debut the, the, the Filipino debut and the quinceanera are some offshoots of that but that just seems like just a very codified like extra birthday ritual this is like very <laughs> specifically like you have to be invited you take like dance lessons wow. you like it's, it's about a very re- it's a reaffirmation of like white patriarchal values you know it's- Wild.
1: The place where I learned about what a debutante ball is was the um, the OC, that old... Uh, was it a WB?
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Soap opera,
1: like teen drama. It was Fox. It was Fox. Fox. Yeah.
2: Yes. <laughs> Obviously, Marvin was not a teenage girl in the early oddies. Um, but <laughs> yes, um, it is just fascinating that this is still kind of like a trope people, a lot of people go to for entertainment. And then it's a much darker history. So I would recommend... If you like... <laughs> You like me, you like the horny Regency books, the horny Victorian books, like I would say check it out if you like nonfiction historical books. It is a bit of a memoir, so it's not completely dry and like academic. She herself came from a somewhat debutante family, um, mm. but did not do it herself. But that is like a <clears> world she was privy to um, and has since kind of chosen to separate herself from. But can you really separate yourself? from? I don't know. I haven't finished the book yet. I will tell you when I do.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh, Han, what's popping with you?
0: Um, so I've been delving, uh, not really adjacent to that, but like into the mire that is the Lifetime movies, but with a twist. These are not the Women in Peril movies. These are not the V.C. Andrews movies, uh, which there are plenty of them. These are specifically the Royal, um, Biography movies that they've made. Uh, They actually started with uh, William and Kate's wedding, but I didn't watch that one because who cares about them? Um, So they now, as of Labor Day, they now have three Harry and Meghan movies. And um, the first one was about their royal romance, and the second one was about the wedding. And so this latest one, is escaping the palace and it goes all the way through to the oprah interview that we all know so well and love um and the funny thing is every single movie of the trilogy i guess uh, casts a new harry and megan every single time so you just get this random like beige girl and then this uh this uh ginger Bearded guy every single time, and they just you're just like, who are you? Which which Weasley brother are you? Are you telling uh, me
1: that they they've created a Harry and Megan multiverse? In yes, lifetime? they
0: they absolutely have. Um, although the 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 Kate and William uh, seem to be consistent. Like I recognize <laughs> them between the movies, and I was like, how do you keep them but not the Harry and the Megan's? I don't understand. Um, but it's just it's deliciously. I mean. come on yes they're bad but they also are incredibly sympathetic on the side of harry and megan um very clearly calling out the things that we as americans would find insufferable um but also very clearly calling out you know racism um we're all on the side of the suits actress um the, the the very first movie i remember was kind of ridiculous because this is when the fairy tale was just beginning and so they made up the scene at the very end where you know uh where the queen basically invites megan to like walk through the royal picture gallery <laughs> and then shows them a picture of Sh- queen charlotte and you know reveals that she's african-american and then harry's like what And he's like yes harry you were also you know uh, multiracial." multiracial. <laughs> Just
2: like uh, oh, such God. bullshit. You I know remember, what? I, oh. I 100% I watched this movie and I 100% burn this from my memory. Yeah, I remember
0: that scene made me laugh so much. I was like, okay, I got to write about this because at IndieWire we normally wouldn't write about that t- thing but I'm like, no, no, no. We got to write about this. I kind of convinced them to like, I was going to write some Harry and Meghan stuff even though IndieWire was like, what the fuck? Why would we cover this? And I was like, does she mean something to America? And, and they're Portrayal. And that scene, that very obviously fake scene was definitely like whitewashing what we know uh, was probably her actual experience. And especially now it's confirmed. Like none of that shit happened. Um, the other stuff did, but not that scene. So uh, yeah, I just after that, I was just like, okay, I'm I'm hooked on this series. <laughs> so um, they had a a Labor Day marathon culminating in the latest one. It's pretty bad, um, <laughs> and, and and I can't recommend them enough. If this is kind of your thing, I I I am always looking for uh low stakes things to watch during lunch because that way I can turn it off and go right back to work without feeling like oh i need to watch more. This, this is perfect for that.
1: This reminds me of all those people i know that love watching like really bad horror films, like trauma films.
0: Yeah, oh god, the trauma.
2: Yeah, this is this is our <laughs> trauma film. Yeah.
0: Cuz i can't do trauma. I've i've watched one trauma film on, like during college and i was like, nope, don't need toxic avenger again ever. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, yes, I will take Harry and Megan right now. <laughs> Fake Harry and Megan all the way. Um, Here's my
2: question. Do the Megan and Harry's get progressively worse, like the casting or better? I, honestly, I can't say because the thing is, the only
0: actress I actually ever recognized was the first one because she the first Megan was in a TV series I actually covered but I haven't recognized any of the other ones so so they're no better or worse the material they're given isn't great there's always some sort of like like hand-wringing villain at some point um this this one is is it always Philip oh it's not always (laughs) Philip no 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 oh I mean it's Charles right
1: or the paparazzi i guess there's some is there like a overzealous paparazzi there
0: there are so there are so many like there are the people uh the the tabloid uh magazine reporters that that are on tv there's the people inside the uh the palace who are supposed to be helping out uh yeah william (laughs) totally is portrayed as a pretty bad guy um throughout so yeah (laughs) it's it's very enjoyable Um, it, it it confirms all the things that you're feeling, basically. <laughs> so that's for me. Marvin, what's popping with you?
1: Alright, so as a follow-up to last week's What's Popping," where I was playing Fuga Millies of Steel, um, the video game about anthropomorphic animal children fighting in a war. Um, this week, um, I've also been playing a new game to, as a kind of a palate cleanser that also involves cute animals shooting each other. It's called Super Animal Royale. It's a battle royale style game which is a type of game that's been really popular over the last few years it gets its name from the or at least i think um that it gets its name from the cult classic japanese film battle royale which um is a film if people don't know about a bunch of japanese high school kids being flown to an island where they participate in a death game where only one can survive death game also apparently a very popular um trope in a lot of YA and um, I guess some manga fiction. Mm-hmm. So Super Animal Royale is a game where you play as a genetically engineered animal who's being flown to an island to fight each other to the death um but even given that gruesome premise it's actually not super violent um even though it does involve animals shooting each other uh when you die you explode in like a puff of smoke or emojis um it's actually a pretty irreverent and upbeat game the music is very um peppy The art style is reminiscent of early Newgrounds Flash, very cartoony. Um, The game itself is a dual joystick shooter, Um, so you go around and... Um, fight in a top-down perspective which for me actually worked out pretty well because um, a big reason why I don't play um, other Battle Royale games is because they're usually first-person or third-person shooters in which, you know, I'm okay at but I'm not great at um, with a dual joystick shooter. is a much more simple control mechanic and the matches themselves are actually really, really quick um, lasting anywhere from like a couple seconds if you die right away to at most maybe 10 minutes before the round is over which makes this game perfect for like short breaks in between work or to play right before you go to sleep
0: (laughs) that would so give me weird dreams (laughs) before bedtime
1: they have a good vibe going um the cosmetics that you can buy from the store are you know they don't affect gameplay in any way so there's no like pay to win which is usually a good thing for these games um i went in expecting i'm just gonna you know use the cosmetic rewards for playing the game and getting like for like the in-game achievements but then as i looked at the store um, they had a Chinese lion dancer hat for sale. And my representation <laughs> um, heart started beating and I ended up dropping some money to buy that hat. So, um They yeah, know their audience. They got me. Which got me to thinking, maybe the Chinese government has something there when they try to restrict online gaming for their kids for only three hours oh, a week to yes. hear about that.
2: Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> I was like, you know, I have faith in the kids. I think they're going to find some way around it. But I could hear the... Uh, screams of anguish from all the way over here i'm
1: just saying i'm an adult with disposable income so i was able to plop down like five bucks to like buy this hat
2: i i don't care how much money i make i refuse to like on principle (laughs) to buy Mm -hmm. freemium like the premium content (laughs) on freemium games i i have been playing this pizza parlor game and Mm i i refuse i refuse i will i will fucking grind and make that pizza myself marvin that builds character
0: Is it good pizza, great pizza?
2: It is good, great pizza, great pizza.
0: I actually played that so much, I actually had to remove it from my phone because it was keeping me up at night. So I was like, maybe I'll look into it, putting it on a gaming system instead to control my play. I I, I
2: had to do that with the mm -hmm. Kim Kardashian game too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh
1: man, I'm excited. Um, A new game comes out tomorrow called, uh, or by the time you listen to this, it's already out, it's called World Flipper. It's a gotcha game. Um, which is one of the the most egregious examples of a freemium game. Um, but it's a gotcha pinball game.
2: Like you have, to, you have to pay to play pinball?
1: No, it's like you gather different characters and different characters give you different pinball abilities. And then you use the pinball to like complete quests.
0: Okay, that's too complicated for me. I, <laughs> when it comes to pinball, I think I just I'm want like pinball. whatever
2: gets you off, Marvin. That's fine. <laughs> but
0: but this Animal Royale thing, maybe I'll check it out. We'll
1: yeah, it's free to play. Um, so if yeah. you have a Switch, you can pull it up. Or if you have, you know, I think there's crossplay compatible. I haven't done crossplay because I am terrified of the PC gaming community because I feel like they'll just kick my ass. So I've been just playing with the with the Switch users. But um, if if you have a Switch, you know, just download it's free to play and i've been just been doing solo matches because i'm personally i'm nervous about being on a team with other people because of um it's a similar feeling to you know if you sit down on a blackjack table with people you don't know and they yell at you for doing the wrong moves kind of similar to that
2: Uh, i don't i don't gamble but (laughs) also part of that is the anxiety of that very thing happening to me so <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: but yeah um, Super Animal Royale it's out now on I think every platform um, and it's a lot of fun it's a, it's a, just a good like I wouldn't say a casual game but it's kind of low stakes and I'm having a lot of fun with it so um, check it out that's what's popping with me and that's what's popping for this episode of the Good Pop Culture Club um, we're gonna take a quick break when we come back we're talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings stick around Representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallspruce.com. Peace. Peace. All right, welcome back to the Good Pop Culture Club. Um, today, we're talking about Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, the latest <laughs> film from the MCU, directed by Destin Daniel Cretton, uh, from a screenplay he wrote with Dave Callahan and Andrew Lanham. Um, it stars Simu Liu as Shang-Chi alongside Aquafina, Meng Erzang, uh, Fala Chen, Florian Montenu, Benedict Wong, Michelle Yeoh, and introducing to American audiences for the first time, or not introducing to no. Hollywood audiences for the first yeah. time, one Tony Leong. <laughs> the one and only um, Shang-Chi is the story of the um, titular character played by Simu Lu, who is a slacker living in San Francisco um, with a dark past and gets drawn back when his father decides to track him down and bring him back into his criminal empire. What follows is a fantasy action superhero MCU film, which includes all that that entails. Um, So we're going to start with a non-spoiler discussion of the film. And then probably in about 20 minutes, we'll take the spoiler safeties off and go all in on that third act. But um, overall, what did we all think of Shang-Chi?
2: I mean, I think it was a long time coming. It was delayed. Marvel, this is, you know, the distinction as a professional Asian of being the first Marvel MCU movie centering an Asian-American superhero. Uh, We will get another one soon with the Eternals. And it was, I thought the action was fantastic. Probably some of the best action, like kind of clear action scenes. Um, Very traditional in that way, right? Like very clear what was going on. Not a lot of, a lot of production set dressing around it, but at least for the first half of the movie, definitely very like, visceral you know we're just talking about like really talented dudes fighting we're not introducing like rockets we're not introducing like super (laughs) serums yet um i think the furthest it gets is like 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 electric blade hand um really great ensemble cast with uh yeah i mean let's be real love everyone in this cast you know we know some of them like tony leung steals the show Tony Leung's forearms steal the show. Uh, and then I do have very specific thoughts about the Marvel third act. I <laughs> can uh, talk about that after the spoiler warning is um, is, is the sound. Um, but it was a really fun Marvel movie that I think was well done. And given the fact that, you know, knowing everything the production went through because it was shut down because of COVID, re-upped, everything was done during the pandemic, it's pretty incredible that we even got a film in the first place.
1: Yeah. I mean, you brought it up, but Tony Young really is the star of this film. He acts circles around everybody. And I mean... That is to be expected. And I'm jealous of all the people who are just discovering Tony Leung from this film. The Tony Leung discourse on Twitter and social media has been really fun to read because it's a lot of people being smug about knowing about him for the last 40 years and people discovering who he is and, like, who is this dad and why is he so I, hot? I have
2: to say, I have to say, <laughs> I am so... I would pay a lot of money to have been a fly on the wall during production because I want to see... Okay, number one, Tony Young. Okay, his English got incredibly good. Mm-hmm. He was not this.
1: He has fluid like the before. most exquisite film, like movie dad voice. Like channeling like Liam Neeson's taken voice. Yeah,
2: yeah, but I don't I think he definitely that that's a recent development. He was not I mean, he's a he's like a bona fide Hong Kong cinema star. Like mm-hmm. he is super respected. He's like a I don't even know what his comp is. It would be like if
1: I mean he was one kar wise um
2: it was like yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, his, he's his he, DiCaprio. Does, he was Deca-
1: his He his DiCaprio, does, De Niro. yeah. yeah. Like, he is yes, like,
2: but but like, if De Niro never went to the "I need money as an old man" phase, right? Like, like to put this in context for people who don't know him, though. You know, knowing our audience, <laughs> they probably are well aware. But it's it would be like if Leo DiCaprio or like, but even more auteur, right? Because Leo at least got his start in stuff like. Well, I guess Tony did like um, Infernal Affairs, but but it, to, for, to to him to be in a Marvel movie and not just that, but a Marvel movie that is contingent among magic rings with an American <laughs> director who does not speak Chinese at all. And I'm wondering, like, what was it like directing Tony Leung? Like, OK, like the rings, they channel power, Tony.
1: To you be fair, to- Tony Leung did play Zhou Yu in... Red Cliff, and he's been a hero, so he is no stranger to green screen and wire work.
0: Yes, but he can still act through it all, and that <laughs> is what makes him exceptional.
1: I mean, not to derail it into a discussion on Hong <laughs> Kong celebrities and their various successes in breaking through to the West, because I mean, in the Hong Kong like world, there's like I think there's like the trio of like truly iconic stars, right? It's Tony Leung, Andy Lau, and the late Leslie Chung. Yes. Um, and and also, we can also add Takeshi Kaneshiro in there as well.
2: You're gonna, you're gonna do. I mean, guess he's not really an actor, but like you're gonna do my boy Jackie dirty like that. <laughs> you gonna name I mean, in terms like, of the, three of the heavenly kings? I mean, and in not in terms name of the like last one?
1: dramatic Ac- actors, right?
2: okay, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Jackie Chung is pretty fucking good too. I will say, like, all right,
1: all right, it's the pantheon, right? I mean, Andy Lau tried to break through with the Great Wall
2: that was just a bad movie um i know andy lao's a good good actor and he's also one of the rare actors who actually does accent work within chinese so he actually dubs himself for music movies or he'll do different takes with like different accents depending on which cut whether it's mainland cut taiwan you know hong kong cut i mean andy is a good actor um Great Wall did him dirty. But, I mean, Tony Leung is another level of, I think, also in the Western world, he's another level of, like, cool because he is, like, Wong kar poster boy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, like, a narrative built around how just effortlessly cool he is, how sexy he is. You know, mm-hmm. there's a very famous story that they invented a lighting system for his eyes, <laughs> like his gorgeous dark eyes. So he could stare at you, like, seductively, even more effectively?
1: Yeah, I just read a story from, I think it was from the GQ article we just did, um, where he mentioned that, like, um, so Wong Kar Wai did a film called Happy Together, where Tony Leung plays a gay lover with Leslie Chung. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, he said that originally his character wasn't gay. He was supposed to become, to take, take care of the affairs of his father, who was gay. But then Wong Kar took one look at him and like, wait, I have Tony Leung and Leslie Chung, two of the hottest Hong Kong actors. Let's make them kiss.
2: What a hero. <laughs> what a hero, Wong Kar <laughs> He dared to ask, could I?
1: And man, if, I don't know if you've seen that film, but they kiss. Like, they go at it. Mm-hmm.
2: I mean who wouldn't fall in love with Tony Leung, right? Like you've, we've, we we're seeing this play out in real time um from a Marvel movie of all things, right? And like these little like young white women um you know, I've seen like uh, the whole plethora of racial diversity in the thirst for Tony Leung. Maybe Tony Leung is the secret to world peace. i believe it.
1: Yeah. Han, what, did you, what did you think of Tony Leong and/or Zhang Tony
0: Leong was great. Um, I, I, I it, it reminded me of how much I liked the whole blazer with the sleeves rolled up. Oh my look. god! We, uh, <laughs> like what the hell? Like I didn't know that was a fetish of mine. Um, and <laughs> the uh, Miami
2: Vice look. I, I, right? I said the exact same thing.
0: But only in a certain context, okay. Um, specifically, you know, on Tony Leung. But um, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, it it doesn't work when it's Miami Vice.
2: <laughs> like that. Never Don Johnson anymore. doesn't do it. For no, you?
0: no, 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 no. But um, yeah. So beyond the Tony Leung of it all, um, I did enjoy specifically the action scenes, the fights, when we've talked many times about um, martial arts and how I've been decrying sort of the, like, where are, are are the martial arts movies and that sort of feeling that I used to get watching old Hong Kong movies or just really badly dubbed Hong Kong action films, you know? And and we didn't always watch them for the plot, but to a certain extent, I just really missed good very well choreographed martial arts scenes like set pieces and no amount of cobra kai (laughs) or any of those things can like really do it for me warrior does you know take its choreography seriously but it's a different beast from a um a big screen film uh the storytelling is different in a tv show so their their set pieces are different like um so this one hit it for me in a few different ways and I don't know if we want to like table this for like a longer discussion later but it really did scratch that itch in so there are so many so many fight scenes it's ridiculous that yeah I was very pleased
1: yeah I mean I was watching the film I watched it today so I was the most recent one to watch it and thinking about how different the fight scenes were um, especially mm-hmm. like the one-on-one one for the first two-thirds of the movie you had actual like this was like an actual martial arts film right like most marvel films if there are fights they're more of like the mm-hmm. born identity style like quick like very practical fights mm-hmm. um, not very like not choreographed like that not like mm-hmm. like a dance because real like wuxia like kung fu films like martial arts mm-hmm. films like the fight scenes are like a dance right yeah and we, we got all sorts like we got the beautiful and very horny wuxia fight scene in the first like five minutes of this film uh, which again Tony Young just like smolders and flirts with his body and his eyes um, but we also got like the Jackie Chan style like manic fight scenes like in the bus yeah. and on the skyscraper
2: yeah using your environment and like being yeah. put in like overly ridiculous situations Props. Yeah. Uh yeah we also got yeah, like the yeah.
1: one-on-one martial arts tournament fight <laughs> Fight yeah too.
2: yes and and and
0: and i think for me that is what's missing is even though those two that you just mentioned are wildly different types of fight scenes that we're very familiar with they they share the something in common in that they really do tell story and they actually almost create a dialogue um it's part of it is the choreography as the timing like you know you do a few fights here and then you look at someone and you say you know a few things and it's like oh that was a funny moment but Even when you talk about the horny scene in the beginning, that is a whole dialogue. That is a courtship. That is everything. And this is what I really miss is like a fight isn't just a fight in a good martial arts movie. And so for me to finally get a little bit of that, I I don't know how like 100% I would say it is, but it's good enough for me that I was just like, oh, my God, I really miss that. And I think that went a long way in making the movie feel richer to me versus the usual Marvel film because I think a lot of that is just like I kind of get bored with the action pretty early on when it comes to Marvel so uh, um this one kept my attention through throughout a lot of it
1: yeah I have to say that the Marvel parts of this film was actually felt like the weakest links in the the narrative storytelling right like if this had just been like a martial arts I mean, of, of course it wouldn't have yet gotten the marketing or the budget to, to exist but every single time when I felt like oh they're they're trying to tie this into like the greater Marvel storyline or universe or crossovers. It took me out of the story, which is like this great s- story about a family at odds with each other, right?
2: Yeah, but I think there was always like that looming like how do we retcon <laughs> the hot mess that was Iron Man two? Three. Was it, was it three. two? Three it was three. three. Like, how do we work on the hot mess that was Iron Man 3? Because obviously Iron Man 3 was several years ago and people didn't think I, you know, people didn't have the foresight to be like, oh, we're going to adapt Shang-Chi one day um, <laughs> and and deal with all that racist stuff. <laughs> um, So, you know, I think it's also it's a mar- with Marvel. I do expect a certain level of like humor and ridiculousness, mm-hmm. even within the action scene. So I didn't I didn't mind it too much and also this is like a very unique origin story because no one knows like Shang-Chi is not a household name
1: yeah I. what do we think about how they did Redcom because Shang-Chi is a character that is in conversation with the rise of Bruce Lee martial arts films right it's like Marvel or Stanley or whoever was in charge at that time saying oh this Kung Fu guy is really hot right now how do we capitalize on that and I mean the original story is very like not even just coded racism, like just soaked in it, right? Shang Chi is the son of Fu Manchu, the original Yellow Face, right? The original source of Yellow Face, inscrutable Chinese villainy, and the stories were all very Orientalist. And I actually came into this film bracing myself for like Orientalism, and I was actually surprised to see that I didn't really think there was much Orientalism. Like it was very Chinese, it was very Chinese American, very Asian American but none of it was like, look how exotic this is. Let's put the attention on how exotic things are.
2: Uh, I would disagree <laughs> to a certain extent. Again, let me know and I can go into act three. Like, I honestly love this movie until we get yes. to the compound. Uh, then it gets a little murky, even though we get more Tony Leung at that point. And then it kind of goes very marvel once we get to the third act. Um, And I just have so many questions, and I I do wish a little bit more of that, if they were going to go all the way there as they do, I wish it would have been peppered a little bit more throughout the film. Because we go from something so visceral and so, like, environmental to, like, San Francisco and, like, Jackie Chan-style, like, you know, fighting through the windows and, and swinging across, you know, and hanging on for dear life to, like, a total like exponential rise into like the land of CGI. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We can, we can talk about what well, we'll talk about that <laughs> later. And, um, and I
2: still don't know if framing again, and this is just a bigger conversation about representation and our lack thereof. Do we still want to frame martial arts as the realm Which is a real practice. You know, martial arts is a real cultural practice that regular people do in life. Um, Do we still, in these movies, want to frame it as something mythical or mystical or powered by a greater magic?
1: I mean, I feel like this film obviously is derivative, right? All Marvel films are derivative. And it's kind of like the Marvel style, which is taking a genre that typically doesn't have superheroes in it and putting superheroes in it. And This film is in concert with martial arts films of the 90s, um, 80s, even like those Wuxia epics, the Jackie Chan martial arts films. And I feel like in that, like in that concert, Wuxia is all about these larger than life heroic figures. I feel like the mythical part comes with that. I didn't see it as, I don't know, I, I don't see it as like exploitative, I guess.
2: But do you think the average American moviegoer today has that context? Because I don't think they do. So I think this is probably a lot of, especially younger audiences, who honestly I don't think they like maybe discover things as much as maybe we used to just by like passive osmosis or like being curated too, like like will they understand the context of that's the wuxia film like do they have a base knowledge of like what a martial arts wuxia film it's not been a popular genre for the last few decades like we have not had a mainstream film like that come out and the, that has had some like maybe crouching tiger was like the last one that was like 1999
1: yeah i guess but i feel like this film could be a gateway to that maybe like just like it's a gateway to tony leong's filmography for a lot of people i feel like so the entrance of Wuxia elements into modern Hollywood film started with like the Matrix, right? The Matrix was the one that made wire work mainstream and acceptable, right? And they had to use the conceit of it being a computer world. But after that, you started seeing a lot of films start using wire work, which before was the exclusive realm of Wuxia filmmaking, right? Um, so I think over the last few years, especially with Marvel movies being more and more bombastic. Something like wuxia style fights. I don't think it's something that people will have a hard time swallowing. I don't know. That's just it's not me, the, maybe.
0: It's. I don't think she's talking about the style of the fighting. I think she's talking about the genre itself. Um, it being mainly like the the mystical, like sleeves flapping type of, um, <laughs> you know, like just like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Because the context that we're looking at martial arts mainly in the film are two. One is a modern context. You know where you're, they're seen fighting a lot in like the bus and whatever. But the thing is, in essence, what we're looking at is he's getting it because he was trained in this m- sort of weird compound by this dad, by his a th- dad who's a immortal, yeah, who's
2: immortal and is like this bad evil Chinese dude, yeah. So um, and I will give film credit; they don't actually lean into that too much. Yeah, for as powerful as he is, he could have been a lot more Fu Manchu. No, so so I
0: I get what you're saying, Jess. In that, like yeah. personally, I would I love martial arts films that are slightly more grounded in reality. Um, and so for this to kind of bring back, it, it feels like a few steps back to me to bring back the wuxia, uh sort of elements as far as it being Asian, um, Asian martial arts. So I'm I'm hoping beyond this, this launches extra Asian martial arts that are not mystically enhanced or or or, or in origin um, and that because it, I just think it's interesting how we do see there's right now the two biggest things I guess you can argue that are martial arts is Cobra Kai which is set in the real world and it's a <laughs> lot of white people and then Asians we have to like is in Shang-Chi and so he, he but he gets it from a mystical source sort of like he did get taught by his dad
2: but in the bigger scheme of things, and again, I think this is very much rooted in my problems with the third act. So can we just like lift the spoiler gate now?
1: All right. Well, before we get to all that, all, all, everything we want to talk about about the third act, I want to talk about this film as an Asian American film, because I feel like that's something we should talk about. Because this film is, like just said, the first Asian centered film in the MCU. Like we've always been the sidekicks or the side characters or like the, um, the person with the MacGuffin but this is the first film with not only an asian person but asian family at the center of the conflict where the cast is majority asian and i mean mandarin chinese is spoken for a lot of the film a lot more than i thought it would be even though even though Tony Leung has done great work with his english accent a lot of this film is subtitled
0: yeah i actually this is where yes tony leung um totally stole the show for me but i do have to give credit to the lead actor and aquafina so simu and aquafina creating a really fun friendship on screen i and they're kind of just regular people who are still people who you would love to hang out with um they have a little banter going on they're they're sort of like feckless youth you know they're they're they park cars for a living um and they're like no we we choose to do this you know um they they're overeducated but they didn't go on to become like doctors and lawyers and whatever they're just like normal people
1: I did and, love that that they gave representation to overqualified slackers right
0: yeah and 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 but the, uh, like I liked their friendship enough that while some people saw romantic chemistry in there um I wanted them just to remain friends and that became a whole conversation with. Um, other people I knew because they were like, but you know Asian actors don't get to have romances on screen, especially in the MCU. And I was like, that is very true. I think it was just I was so pleasantly surprised by this just their friendship yeah. that that's how I wanted it to remain. So I'm not arguing against the need for love interests, but I was just like I just kind of like, like them being buddies. Um, yeah. Going to karaoke being each each other's uh, enablers was great um and just even him visiting her family's house and like basically eating their breakfast um the grandmother who uh we all recognize asking if they're going to get married or not just everything (laughs) about that just felt like very nice yeah
2: asian mom guilt right um shoes by the door we love that uh it it, and it's nice because you know aquafina's character katie is a multi you know like a She's obviously, like, third generation in Chinatown. You know, there's that's definitely San Francisco vibes. And
0: she doesn't speak Chinese? Well, hello. She does not
2: speak Chinese. Like, ABC. live in my life, lady. Like, you know, <laughs> just a very, very typical Chinese-American West Coast California experience, I will say. They yeah. nailed that. Yeah. yeah.
0: And and she kind of dresses like I do or or I would if I had that much money for bomber jackets that um fit me, but like all of her pants are like basically crop pants because those would fit her and so I don't know how many times I've worn capris that look like long pants on me. Um bomber jackets are are cropped. So that's why I like bomber jackets. Um yeah, there was just so much and like, you know, the fanny pack, all that stuff is stuff that I was just like, yeah, you're speaking to me
1: here. <laughs> yeah. And it hits a lot of like the Asian American film checklist, right? It has like Guilt daddy tripping issues. mom. It had daddy <laughs> issues, um, and the, it had the cold, unavailable dad who's actually a wife guy. Like he just loves his wife so much that he can't handle not having her around, and and thus closes himself off from his kids. Which I feel like I've seen this film before. And you know, Destin Daniel Cretton. He's hasn't. I don't think he's done an Asian American film before. Right? He's more like in that mainstream indie. Yeah, um, circuit. Just Mercy, so, and yeah, you know,
2: Short Term Twelve, yeah. Glass Castle, hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. So. This is what a what an what an interest what a high budget Asian American (laughs) film because really it is still the same exact theme which is like intergenerational trauma and Uh miscommunication and you know bicultural children. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, watching the film, I was very amused by some of the. A lot of the film, like I mentioned, is subtitled when they speak Mandarin. It was not one on one, which was interesting when I caught mm-hmm. when they didn't um translate it one to one. Like the the film takes place during Qingmingjie, which is in Chinese culture, it's the day you go and like, you clean the tombs of your families, right? It's like tomb cleaning day. Um, which they translated as day of the dead, which is like more of a like a Mexican tradition. I and it's was not wondering. It's yeah,
0: not- I was wondering about that. Like
1: it's similar because it has to do with um, respecting the dead. You know, for Chinese culture, it's like the day that we set up food for our ancestors and we burn paper money and effigies of like iPhones and cars and other things that our loved ones will need in the afterlife. Um, Yeah, so so that's one thing. And the other thing was a very like during a major confrontation, Tony Leung gives a very sick burn in Chinese that gets translated as "I've been alive much longer than you." But then in Chinese, he says which is like the salt I've eaten is way more than bowls of rice that you've eaten.
0: Oh, <laughs>
2: That's so, I, mean, I kind of wish they translated a, it. But. Yeah, Mandarin is a very poetic language. Like <laughs> it's it's super like uh, wordplay and punny and co- combination. So yeah, I my, my, my Chinese is not as good as Marvin, so I did not catch that. <laughs>
0: I wish they actually translated that because I think that we would have gotten. It's such a good line. I I think we would have understood it. I think that they're in some ways not giving the full benefit of a doubt to the um, even the um, English speaker to figure out what it is if you you gave a better translation.
1: I know, like Americans expect um, Americans to come and catch on all the idioms that Americans have to use. You know, learn learn some Chinese idioms.
2: I think no, then you have to then. That there would, it also would have been a great opportunity to like actually build that in because to the script or like the relationship dynamic as well. Because this happens to me all the time. I don't know if this happens to you, but your dad or your mom will say one of those weird ass idioms (laughs) in Chinese and you're like, what the fuck does that mean? They will try (laughs) to translate it to English and then you'll be like, what? Something about a bird and a house? And then you you try to like translate it back to them, you're like, so it means this. And they're like, no, not really. And it becomes like a <laughs> whole like conversation that's also I feel very universal in yeah. bilingual households.
1: <laughs> yeah, I actually wish there was more of those. There's there's one other instance that caught and I, I remember thinking, man, I wish I was at the Alamos, I could write this down. But I wasn't at the Alamo. I was at a rig. <laughs> was it the
2: baijo and the whiskey? Yes, yes. They translated baijo into whiskey, and I was like, "Whiskey is not paint thinner, okay? Baijo <laughs> is paint thinner. That is gnarly shit."
1: Oh, I was like, yeah. I was. I felt so like disappointed. I was like, just say, just say rice wine or something.
2: I mean, they're going for the like most common denominator. I am not too mad about. I guess that. it's um, just
1: baijo and whiskey are like two completely different spirits. It's like it's not well, it's like, one to one like, at It's just like it's an
2: extra Easter egg for, you know, if you know, you know.
1: <laughs> all right. Well, I'm sure there's a couple more that I missed. But yeah, um, I guess it's time. It's time to, um, to release the spoiler safeties. Um, all the spoilers are on the table, including the often mentioned third act. So if you don't want to get spoiled on that right now, um, you can pause the podcast and come back after you've seen the film. But if you don't mind, um, please keep listening. So, yeah. Let's talk about when this film turns from a pretty standard martial arts action film to a full-on like wuxia fantasy epic. Via
0: Marvel.
2: A Marvel Via film. Marvel. It's not even a wuxia. <laughs> it's just a Marvel film. And Marvel really marveled it up in this third act. Um, specifically, as soon as they get to Talo, the mythical village, I swear to God, I was like, What? every five seconds because i was like you're introducing this now so it's not an acting note it's not even like it's more just a structural note i was like i don't understand how we started off in like you know like i mean like kind of like early like san francisco like vibes and now we're like talking about okay okay like for like i gotta keep a list right it's like okay mythical village bamboo forest um dragon another dragon Everyone's really old. We're from a parallel universe. There's a portal. I'm your aunt. I'm just like, what is happening? There is <laughs> so much. And then there's like Ten Rings lore. And then there's magic lore. Like but like the Guardian. And I'm like, wait, when do they come out? Like there I had so many questions. I gotta um, say,
1: I sort of dug all that. As someone who enjoys like Asian inspired fantasy in my literature, I was eating all that shit up.
0: I did, so here's the thing. I don't think I minded it. I think both uh, Marvin and I very much enjoy fantasy as a genre. So I don't mind those actual elements. But because it's Marvel, all of a sudden they like overstuff it. So the first clue, I don't mind even entering this world, which, which has a lot of really cool, fantastical creatures. And for me, I know people have made like... Pokemon jokes, but for me, I, I seem to recall thinking it's very similar to how Star Wars started introducing a lot of cute fauna in its most recent movies and TV shows. I mean, And so this seems very f- similar where it's like, oh, that's like a fox, but it has three tails or whatever.
1: I mean, um, as someone who is interested in Chinese mythology, I was like, oh, there's a Hulli Jing, there's a Qilin, like there was a phoenix flying in the air. Like I recognize all of these like chinese characters and i, I think that's why i mentioned i love that they didn't really exotify everything because i mean they were obviously exotic and like kind of strange but they didn't stop and give like a exposition for every single one oh that is a certain so-and-so like they, just, they just existed in this world and yeah i was super into that
0: so yeah no the environment i was totally fine with going to a fantasy world the bamboo forest but i think for me where the penny dropped. When I was just like, Oh, here we go is when <laughs> Michelle Yo all of a sudden like walks in front of this carven, uh like like wood sculpture. Ba- yeah. yeah, wood sculpture that apparently tells the whole history of how they got there. What how they're doing. Convenient. There. Yeah, and yeah. it was just like, wow, that exposition dump was like
2: really <laughs> okay. out that's why uh, we couldn't will... get this in the beginning, I, I... like <laughs> set it up a little bit for what's to come because it's it was so it it's it's so like, okay, now we in fantasy. Like, I like fantasy, but you better establish the rules of fantasy. And the rules were not clear at all. I yeah. will
1: admit it was a criminal misuse of Michelle Yeoh as like an exposition device yeah. instead of like using her acting abilities to convey
2: yeah. all that, right? Like
0: it it was a choice to have her walking in front of this thing. There are many ways that they could have explained this given the exposition dump, like as just says, maybe at the beginning, like, maybe animate. I don't know. Whatever it is. Uh, yeah. But, like, so they do eventually use Michelle Yo in, in good ways. But I think after that point, I was just kind of like, this is like when we entered Cloud City for a... Uh, um um, black widow i just kind of like lean back and i was just like okay i'm not i like don't wash my i get the idea i get
2: the idea what's gonna happen yeah they marvel loves shooting things out of the sky whether it be a space Mm -hmm. station a plane a cloud city or a dragon yeah or two dragons i guess yeah um and again, like the, the rules.
1: I mean, one of them was a cosmic horror, which is yes. the direction that Marvel was going towards. And we can talk about it later, about yes. the future of Marvel. But I did love that it was an Eastern dragon, which is yes. something not seen in
2: But But movies. I have to ask, I'm like, what made him... And I don't know if this is like execution or script. Like, why... Is, is, is he the chosen one who awakened this dragon... Why? Like, I don't... They don't really explain why. Like, he's the daughter of... He's the, he's the son of...
1: The protector. A I mean.
2: member. She's a member. I don't know if there was ever explicitly stated that she was specifically, like, a elevated member, a different member. Like, she just is part of... Like, like no one else swam in that lake for the thousands of years they've been alive and awoken the dragon? Like, that was a that was, like, one question I had. Uh, the rings, I was, like... You know, I mean, are the rings also in this realm of this kind of magic? Or are they a different kind of magic? Who dictates who gets to control the rings? There was some Harry Potter shit going
1: on. Well, I mean, there, <laughs> the, the post credit scene seems to indicate that no one knows what the rings are. The rings yes. come from another separate entity or cosmic space Yes, that no and one's ever heard of.
0: While I do agree that the rings are, at this point, still a mystery, which is fine, I did find it very upsetting that he is flying around on this dragon with the 10 rings on and his sister is right next to him and he doesn't think to share five of them with her.
2: Yeah. <laughs> she does more for the dragon <laughs> and helping it than like Shang-Chi does. Like why can't she call the dragon? They're the same blood. Yeah. So like that's some of that some of that like co- you know the the like the, the the rules of how the fantasy works. Like if you're going to give me fantasy, fine, but like you better tell me what the rules of the fantasy are. Um and then, you know, it gets very marvel because at the end of it, we go from very cool fight scene like from the very beginning of this grounded, movie, very yeah. cool, grounded, story-driven fight scenes between people we care about <laughs> and characters we care about to literally two CGI dragons fighting each other in the air. And you're like this is a lot of cgi that's all i could think of i was like this is a lot of cgi
1: yeah i mean much like um a dc film once the film goes gray they're in coming back from that
2: yeah coming back yeah so the, the marvel third act this is like once we get the big flying thing that has to come down somehow i was just like and it's such a shame because up until that point i feel like all the scenes fight scenes and the action scenes were really really like, grounded in character. And then we lose it totally in the climax. And I don't know if I felt a payoff for when, like, big dragon kills other big dragon and falls into the water. Like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever.
0: I I, I just... Same with Black Widow. I just disengaged around the third act. And I was just like, I know people love this stuff. And I was just like, it's fine, whatever. And then so it wasn't until everything ended and then they kind of got back into the real world that I was like, "Okay, I'm paying attention again. So I actually because of my sort of disengagement when things get too over the top, um, I I watched this film twice, one in a screening and one I paid for because, you know, I want to contribute. To the cause, but also we rented out a theater. My friends and I, and so I, I actually did notice something the second time around that I didn't see the first time, and it was during the climax of the fight. I was like, "How did I miss that?" And I was just like, "Oh, it was probably just because I was just like so overstimulated by everything going on that I missed it." So, uh yeah, it and it was a big, it was a big deal. It was basically how he defeated the 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 soul. Uh, I mean the the dweller of Yeah, the yeah. the
1: demon. I mean. <laughs> I guess I was just not as put off by it like usually I am more like rolling my eyes when this happens but I was pretty invested and engaged like the whole final fight between Shang-Chi and, and Wu was like super engaging I was I enjoyed the hell like out of like all like the oh, big no, bombastic no, fight fine. scenes like I enjoyed this one a lot because
2: no 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 Shang-Chi and his dad fight scene is fine I was talking specific but it happened so fast and the, you know, like, spo- again, spoiler, like, Wenwu dies, and then it's like, we but we gotta keep going because there's a fucking dragon coming out of the hole. Like, there's no, like, that, I think that should have been the climax, like, the fight with him and his dad. Like, take care of the dragon first, and then fight the dad.
1: I mean, if this wasn't a film that had to insert itself into Doctor Strange, Multiverse of Madness in, in a year, that probably would have been the right way to complete this um i'm just saying in terms of like big bombastic like avenger style like big bombastic yeah, but, fights but battle me, scenes but like let me it wasn't
2: ask, but let me ask you like when you think about like the marvel endings like do you recall can you remember like beat for beat like the avengers fight scenes no because they just become big gloopy fight scene blobs in your head or do you remember like the final fight between killmonger and you know Black Panther. Do you remember the final fight between um, I mean, like Winter Soldier and or like, you know, Tony and 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 uh, Captain America in Civil War, right? Like I mean, those smaller just, fights tend to stick out more.
1: I, mean, I just saw it today. I still remember him bursting the rings through the demon stomach, which is pretty awesome.
0: That was a scene that I actually did not watch the first time apparently because I was just so over all the spectacle. So when I watched it, I was like, is that how he actually defeated him? The second time, I was like, yeah, "I'm just like,
2: I mean, it's just like it's the CGI," and I'd I think kinda, I'd be yeah. less mad if the fight scenes in the beginning weren't that good. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not mad at it actually. I think I've kind of resigned myself to just the the spectacle and the circus is going to overtake the last third of all of these films. Um, I'm I do have hopes for Eternals that maybe there will be something different, but I can't be sure. So um, I mean, look at yeah. us, a Chloe Zhao. <laughs> Big CGI I mean, even Black Panther
1: had its big war scene between two warring factions.
0: Yeah, it's not the two warring factions. I think it's just the messiness of uh, of after a while, like if I can't pay attention to actually what characters are doing what really. um, Like they had a good beat, I think, where Katie does her little archery and that's a beat for an emotional sort of like character moment. But then you lose it right away. And I think that's what the fight between, you know, father and son is an emotional beat that was immediately moved, you know, moved past in order to get to dragon, dragon, dragon. So to two so,
2: dragons can like make out in the sky, so, which is
0: like. So I, yes. I I get it. Like, I just felt like because I was so overwhelmed with all the things they were trying to make you feel and see and whatever experience that i was just like, I, I get overstimulated. So that's why I have to disengage. And
2: like twenty minutes earlier, we're getting the whole history of this town in this remember like the the carved piece of screen door that Michelle Yeoh is talking about, <laughs> and, like, and all happens in one. I access. mean, in terms like
1: when you adapt things from page to screen, the exposition is always going to be what boggles it down, right? So like that's the challenge, and I, I agree that this film didn't do that didn't do that challenge well.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not the only thing, clearly, but I think also some people are just not bothered by that um i i definitely mention things sometimes to people and like i didn't even notice that i was like okay you know i just like i I do understand that like my life has always been i've always been somewhat critical about things um storytelling things do bug me um and i'm sort of sensitive to those things but uh i think i also have like diagnosed myself with a lot of add and stuff like that so it's kind of like i do get overwhelmed with lots of information and and stuff so um yeah i i i I think that this is what a Marvel film is, and so I've kind of resigned myself to not liking the ends of Marvel films like, until you get back to life. So it's it's fine, whatever. Uh, I, I'm kind of agnostic about the like the third act. I didn't like it, but I don't really care. Like if other people do, it's fine.
2: <laughs> it was Game of Thrones to me. Oh, just dragons fighting dragons, and I'm just
0: like, but, what is happening? But even dragons. Fi- so no, no, I'm fine with dragons fighting dragons, but I don't really. I don't think I really engaged with it because these are just dragons we met at the very last minute um, that we don't kind of care about Uh, compared to, let's say, Raya. um, I was
1: invested in the flying dragon. He was about to die.
0: Oh, I didn't care. Um at all. <laughs> and you know, Does the dragon even get a name? Like a proper name? It's the
1: protector. <laughs> it's Great Protector. I mean, do dragons have protector. names? The Great
0: Protector and then the Dweller in Darkness. Uh right?
1: I mean the dragon probably has a true name, but you can't only the, the true master of the dragon can can learn it.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I mean, hey, there are so many things that they could hint about. Like you're saying, um, all these animals that were were you knew from mythology, but They didn't like explicitly explain and and name and stuff like that, which is kind of cool for you as an Easter egg. But I didn't know. (laughs) So honestly, I I wouldn't mind like if they spun off a TV series and just kind of lived in Talo for a while and just people were doing chores and like, you know, taking care of animals. (sighs) I would totally watch that.
2: Um I do love I love the um, lion dog. Lion dog was super cute. Mm-hmm. Whatever Morris is supposed to be. I love Morris. Very fussy. want to hug him. Yeah. Um uh um I'm, I'm a bad Chinese person. I never heard of any of these except maybe the phoenix, the dragon, what's on the dim sum wall? <laughs> so,
1: yeah. Jing is the 9 tail fox. I've heard of that from Naruto.
2: Yeah, so I thought it was like a Japanese thing. <laughs>
1: Every, I mean, each, each culture has its own. <laughs> Alright, so I guess we should give our final verdict. Is Shang-Chi good pop?
2: Yes, we made a, like $100 million with an Asian-American lead, or Asian-Canadian, American, North American, we'll take it. Uh, Asians over-indexed 300% for shang which just proves that if you don't fucking make content for us, you're leaving money on the table, so stop using that stupid excuse about how we don't sell tickets. Bitches. Uh, Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, uh, my gripes aside, I did enjoy a lot of the film. I think it was fun. I think it was a great showcase for a lot of people who, some of us, we already know, and some some that the Americans, you know, <laughs> finally got to embrace in the, the mainstream. Uh, yeah, and I, I, and honestly, just because it was so, like, so well liked. So many of my friends like this film that it made me feel better about like the future of, of just this type of mainstream action hero film. Um, if it could give us this
1: yeah, I definitely think it's a good pop. <sighs> um, obviously, I—I I guess um, as someone invested in MCU lore and all the connections, I was like into all the stuff that probably rubbed some people the wrong way. Um, I'm very curious about how the Marvel is starting to mix in cosmic horror as its new big bad. You know, it's starting to show its head in not only the movies but also on the TV shows too. This last mm-hmm. episode of um, What If? definitely included technical monsters and we know that in between when we're opening that gate and shanti defeating the cosmic horror in between wanda Maximoff creating new realities in between um, whatever spider-man's going the two in his movie and also loki screwing up the timelines it's all coming to a head soon and as someone who was into these like overcomplicated comic book storylines that i can't believe it's active in films on it i am really into what they're doing
2: i actually do have friends who do not follow marvel like they've watched maybe two of the the marvel movies like in total and at this point i'm like don't even don't even bother no just don't try it's too much i can't explain what everything that's happening right now I, i have a feeling this will be the
0: first Marvel movie my mom will watch once it gets to Disney Plus. And that's fine. She'll, I mean, she'll be fine.
1: There are a lot of older Asian ladies who want to watch it because there is one Tony Leung in the, at the center of it being very t- sexy. T-
0: I should just tell her that.
1: <laughs> Much like how Jess is saying how she hopes that this film opens the door to more representation for Asian Americans. I also hope this opens the door for more crossovers from like, we have this whole stable pretty much of really talented actors from Hong Kong that never were were able to cross over to Western audiences Because of Either preconceived notions Or typecasting Right Like Jackie Chan crossed over But only in those type- Jackie Chan roles Right Or so. racism
2: Because having <laughs> a French accent Is sexy And we You know Marion Cotillard You know The Gainsbourg Whatever Yeah It's very sexy Italian sexy Right But no You have a Chinese accent And you're just a fool And that is so much Far from the truth There is so much Fantastic talent Coming out of Asia um, not just hong kong or china yeah. but
1: like
2: you know everywhere <laughs> so i think hopefully they'll be like don't don't be a racist bitch read some subtitles if you have to uh and uh you know you can be you can discover a lot more tony leong's yeah your life. i
1: hope this isn't the last time we see tony leong in a hollywood film i hope like, I hope Hollywood takes notice on how popular he is and brings over his collaborators. I wanna see a prequel film of Wu with his like with his greatest hits, right? With Maggie Chung and Takeshi Kaneshiro in like an ensemble film together. Like, that would be so hot.
2: If we got Takeshi Kaneshiro in a Marvel movie, I would fucking die. <laughs> like, like I can't, like, that. Blah. He also sings, just FYI. He
1: like. Like he speaks English. Speaks like English. four three
2: languages. It's like Chinese, three dialects
1: of um, Japanese, Chinese, Japanese, t- Taiwanese.
2: And he looks, and he has a pretty face, and I want to kiss it.
1: Man, I need to go back and watch Chunking Express.
0: Yeah, For I was sure. thinking I need to just do a whole rewatch of uh, the over. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean. Put a movie with Tony mm. Leung and Takeshi Kaneshiro in it together and I will watch the shit out of that film.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just throw in all of them. Andy Lau, Jackie Chan can make an appearance. It's fine.
1: Yeah, so many great actors we can bring over. Um, hopefully, these are the lessons that the industry learns from the success of Shang-Chi. Um, I have a sinking suspicion they'll learn the wrong lessons from the success of it. But hopefully, they won't. Um, hopefully, this will be a... Like I, I, okay, I hate saying turning point, but it definitely is just one more case for the case study, right?
0: I, I, I think there's a lot of really goodwill that I've been seeing out there, so <laughs> I I also hope that it will. I mean, look, we're gonna we're just we're gonna get momentum. We're gonna have internals right after this, also starring an Asian, you know, uh, actor actress. So yeah, yeah,
1: except it's not an Asian American movie because she's an alien. But you know,
0: it's fine. It's fine. <laughs>
1: And on that note, that'll do it for our discussion of Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Um, Jess Han, thank you so much for joining me and offering your um, your critiques and opinions on the film. Uh, if you want to find out more of your thoughts, where can they go?
2: My trash takes are on Twitter at Tweets,
1: And I am at Hanonymous. You can find me at Marvin. You can find the show at Good Pop Club. We are a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective. Check out our fellow Potluck pods by going to the website podcastpotluck.com. And yeah, thanks for listening to the Good Pop Culture Club. We'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye.